Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So, Danny, did you miss me? I did. You know, it, it, it's been... Has it been almost a month since we talked on the podcast? Is, does that uh, seem possible? Yeah. No, no it's I like mean, three I weeks. I think I pre-recorded my last one, uh, you know, on like the Wednesday before the wedding. So yeah, no. So that was would have been August 25th. So this is over a month. That I've I've started going a little stir crazy. Actually, I, mean, I had a wonderful honeymoon. I'm actually in Hawaii now, kind of finish things, finishing things up, but working as well. And I just for the last week or so, I've been like, all right, I need to do a pod. I've been like kind of going crazy, but we will have plenty of pods for you because this is the first of five days a week all the way through mid-July of next year and looking forward to getting started with one of our favorites yeah, we probably have maybe like 10 favorites overall but this is certainly one of them the over-unders for the Western Conference and uh, we will start with the Dallas Mavericks um, this is a little different than it usually is for us and it's uh, there won't be as much easy money on the board because these actually came out in like August and so we now really have to uh, go by what the lines are now. I mean, that's only fair. Uh, the the most recent one that I could find was in an article by Action Network from about a week ago. But that was after the Jimmy Butler news broke. That's been the big change that's happened since these lines came out. Some of the other ones have just moved based on the market. And most of them have moved in the direction that you know I would have wanted to bet. So that's going to make things a lot harder. But uh, you know we're supposed to be experts here. We should be able to uh, continue. Both of us, I think, have had winning records every year we've done this so uh let's uh let's kick it off here with dallas yeah so dallas the line is set at 34 and a half and as a point of reference last year they had the point differential of a basically a 33 win team even though they only won 25 games and that's what i think is an important separator for dallas and i kind of like that they're first for this exact reason and I believe that Dallas is meaningfully better this year than they were last year. DeAndre Jordan is really going to help them. They battled a ton of injuries last year and battled through the like horrendous clutch play and not having much to play for late in the year. So, well, they, it's not they, a lot they didn't or anything battle crazy too hard like. actually through, <laughs> through that. Perhaps more accurately. <laughs> they battled briefly, then they stopped yeah. battling, and then they succumbed. Other than that amazing game when Maxi Kleba dunked on Julius Randle and they won that game for... Yeah, yeah playing Aaron Harrison but... 48 minutes in the last game of the season <laughs> and giving up like nearly yeah. a 40-piece to Alex Peters, who was cut like before Summer League even started on the Suns. Yeah, I would say that is not battling, but uh, I'm going to be referencing that game for a long time, by the way. 
Yeah, it gets into the pantheon. Not quite quite like the Mark Madsen game for me, just because the the way the way those yeah. shots were taken will that was like indelible for me, but still still memorable all the same. And so I, long-time listeners know I'm a big believer in Rick Carlisle as a coach. I think that Dallas and, and the other big factor here that you, you everybody here knows I'm a pick protection maven. Dallas, unless they're really low in this because their pick is top five protected going to Atlanta, and pick protection is different this year because not not only did they kind of balance the odds a little bit, but it's the it's four picks that are now being done by the lottery. So Dallas would have to, to feel confident in retaining their pick. They would have to go pretty far into the hole. And that to me makes it more likely that they'll just, even if they get out, let's say the difference between having the seventh worst record and the 10th worst record doesn't make much of a difference to them. So I don't, I feel pretty good about the over. It's not necessarily going to be one of my best bets, but I, I, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. And you mentioned their point differential a year ago uh really they were only a win and a half below this this line actually uh, according to the action network opened at 34 and a half and has stayed there uh a little bit of concern for me that this team was 17th in defense last year. And you wonder with Doncic playing, Dennis Smith is going to play even larger of a role. Dirk will play less of a role, which will probably help there. They are going to get Jordan, but it, it did seem like, man, like how did they get 17th in defense out of this team? You know, it doesn't look like they have that. Uh, 24th in offense, though, you would expect them to do a little bit better, though they will have to actually run. And I think even just based on the first preseason game, although it wasn't against NBA competition, it, we saw a lot of Doncic doing some grab and go. Smith is a good transition player. So I think they can get a lot better offensively this season uh, than 24th. Dirk is going to be coming off the bench. I think he can still be effective, assuming that he's back health-wise, right? I mean, that's another thing we're concerned about too. It sounds like Harrison Barnes, due to a hamstring issue, we had a lot of hamstring issues right at the start of camp for uh, all these teams, which, you know, you'll see when guys come in and first start going hard. Uh, But it sounds like he's going to miss all of camp and could have a slow start to the season. Contract year for Harrison Barnes, by the way, amazingly. And, but they really, really need him you know to be uh technically they're saying Doncic is going to start at the four he'll start at the three but he'll have to defend fours on a lot of nights and their wing depth is really bad on this team I mean they're going to be started they started Dorian Finney-Smith in that game I and mean, they basically have Wes Matthews Doncic and Harrison Barnes are the three wings on this team that they have everyone else is either a power player or a point guard you know Rick Carlisle is down to play as many point guards as he needs to but still that can be uh an issue so uh, I would feel better about the over where not for Barnes's health if he's going to have a slow start to the year though you know it's also interesting I mean you could see him even as a trade candidate if they don't if they kind of fall out of it early I don't know how well he fits with Dennis Smith and uh with Doncic going into the future because he's kind of his own ISO guy uh as well like said the ball in his hands we'll see whether he can reduce his role back kind of where he was in Golden State but just play it better so man this is this is a really tough one we're starting off with the tough one here uh, and that's why I'm going to let you go first. You, or you said, the, did you say the over already? Oh, I man. did. All right. Well, I'm a little rusty. You guys are going to have to bear with me here. I, I also haven't really had a conversation with any person other than my wife in three weeks. <laughs> so that's another, I'm just like a little rusty at even like having conversations with people in general, which probably will lead me to ramble actually, as I have been. Um, 
and this this is really tough, especially and then the pick protection too. I want to like this team. I want to believe in Doncic, but I'm just they're just a little bit too young. I think I'm going to do the under. Uh, but very, and I'm also not really a huge DeAndre Jordan believer at this point in his career. Like I don't if he were like you know him from three years ago, I'm like oh he's really going to transform their defense and like he can make a good defense all on his own. He was not able to do that with the Clippers. I think there's pretty similar talent around him defensively this year. So yeah, I, I think I will go with the under, but this is very close. This would not be one I feel particularly strong about either way. And one of the elements that made this one challenging for me is generally speaking, this is a calibration that I did this year. I for those I, I did this with Arturo as well for Real Jam Radio is that generally what I've noticed, and I didn't go back and check the numbers, but when I've been wrong on like these kind of balancing decisions, it's been because I've been too optimistic. So you know, I'll probably have more unders this year than I usually do on that kind of logic of there are more ways that it can go wrong than it can go right. But partially it's the pick protection thing. And partially for me, it's I think Dallas is they're good. I think they have plenty of talent. Like, oh, and that's the other thing we should talk about here briefly with them, because this is going to be a story in the Western Conference that Dallas is maybe the best team to explain this idea. Dallas has this problem where even if, let's say, they're a 30, they have 36 win talent, they're still probably like the 13th best team in the Eastern, in the Western Conference. And so how does that factor in for their decision making and for their process? Like if they are maybe, let's say any, they're anywhere from like 11 to 13th or something like that. If you're not really competing for the playoffs, you're not really in it. How do teams approach that? And yes, the, the pick protection and and all that will will shift some of this a little bit, owing their pick probably to, to Atlanta. But I mean, it's very different to be a 36 win team when 39 is going to potentially get you into the playoffs or when 46 is going to get you into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, compare their situation to say Charlotte or Detroit in the Eastern Conference, even Cleveland. So yeah, I, I don't feel great about this under uh i'm not happy that we started with such a difficult one here uh but i just think when you're relying on rookies as your or or, i mean dennis smith basically is a rookie i mean he was so bad last year showed a lot of potential but was not conducive to winning last year and Doncic, for all of his uh, accomplishments i think he's going to look very good this year you know you wonder about the same things with him uh you know you just having rookie when teams have rookies in a big role they usually don't do too well uh all right we'll do a quick read here from our friends at, at SeatGeek, one of the things we did in the honeymoon actually was go to see sumo wrestling in Japan, but I was devastated to learn that SeatGeek has not yet expanded to Japan. And I was reminded of just how miserable the process is for buying tickets without SeatGeek when I was forced to go to all these different sites and like it was pretty rough too because there are these sites that cater to Americans trying to buy sumo tickets but of course they're going to massively overcharge and I didn't know what a good price was and I was like why can't I just have that big green dot that tells me whether this is a good price or not from SeatGeek and you know buying tickets can be like a 20 minute process for for me I like obsess over value that's part of why I do this show. And so for me, it's like a 40 minute process, but with SeatGeek, I trust their algorithms. And so they rank every ticket based on value and they also bring ticket selling sites together. So you're basically able to have a bunch of tickets in one place. You know, it's a good value and you can just use the app, pick your tickets out in like 90 seconds. So uh, I'm glad to be back in the U.S., be able to use SeatGeek for my tickets. The way to get started with them. And if you are a first time SeatGeek purchaser, get $20 off is to download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code CAPSPACE today. Easy to CAPSPACE. Talk about it all the time on the program. That's promo code CAPSPACE for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. 
Denver, 47 and a half. I will go first on them. I like the under because I'm a pessimist. And also just this, they got to 46 last year. You know, I just don't see them getting to 48. That just seems like a lot. I just don't think this team can be good enough defensively. Isaiah Thomas looks like he's not going to be ready to start the season. I think their bench is going to be a big problem. Uh, I think they can be extremely good offensively, as I talked about with Adam Morris last month. But I think that their defense is just never going to be good enough that they can just take care of business against the bad teams on the road also it seems like this is a team that you know should win a lot of games can win a lot of games can beat anybody but can also lose to anybody on a given night and especially with their depth with will barton now they're not gonna have any size in the the one through three positions gary harris is out with the hamstring too that's not great we'll see how long that lasts but that was you know another one of these injuries that can linger so I, I just, I can't, another team that I just can't quite believe in, you know, I mean, I think I, I picked them for 47 wins uh, when I went on the pod with Adam. The news about Thomas's health uh, has not been good. So I, I will stick with the under. And if anything, I think I feel a little bit more vehement about that under than uh, I did uh, about a month ago. So something, there are a couple factors that I want to talk about. I'm actually going over here. This is our second disagreement. I'm shocked we're disagreeing this much early. Yeah, Part of the fun of us basically not talking yeah, for yeah, a month. Yeah, maybe that's what it is, right? Or, or the, it might be that. There isn't as much groupthink here. And for me, I think Denver is better on this on town. I mean, you, you brought up last year, I think they won, it was 47. And no, 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 they won 46 games. last year. And yeah, they were, they were one short. If they'd gotten a 47, they would have... 47, then yeah. they would have made it. I, I was thinking they lost every... Either way. But I, I think that the fact that Millsap played in less than half of the season, and certainly other guys can get hurt, and Denver, as you mentioned, is a team that is very susceptible to injury just because they don't have a lot of cogent replacements, especially if Isaiah Thomas lingers in his recovery because then they don't have a replacement at point guard yeah, either. And, and by the way, and, real quickly on Thomas, it's also not a good sign when he's not ready to start the season and he got like basically just a minimum contract you know when we were saying oh hey why mm-hmm. why wouldn't the magic give him like the, the patrick patterson yeah, the issue. patrick patterson issue uh the you know the isaiah thomas from last year issue where he wasn't worth anything in a trade you know so like when those private medical reports you know the indication of him getting a bad contract or I'm sorry, a contract that wasn't as lucrative as you would have thought that's always kind of a red flag there too Right, but but I th- I think that your concerns about their defense are well-founded. If Millsap plays more, I think they can get there. And also, I felt that Millsap, they were getting into a better, something closer to an equilibrium offensively with them on the floor. There was that weird adjustment period the first month of last year where they just weren't really figuring much out. I feel like some of that's going to be sorted out a little bit better. Hopefully, Malone's rotations are more yeah. solid than I, they I were mean, at the beginning of last it, year. Like, Millsap is really like the fifth option on offense for this team at this point. It's pretty wild. And that could, that could lead to some staggers depending on how they want to do it but another thing that i like about denver is that at at this point their five starters are also their five finishers and for whatever reason i kind of like that you know it's like okay they know who they know who their good players are and that was the problem for portions of last year and I just I just like what they have going. And you are completely right that defense travels and Denver's defense won't. But I think their offense will. And they'll just bludgeon these bad East teams and some of the bad bad West teams. They'll just outscore them. And so that's not an, it's not as reliable a way to win. But I think they'll do that enough. And then they also have the I think they have the horses to win some games against good teams. That's pretty much to get to 50, which is really if you're saying a team's going to win 48, you're saying they're gonna, they have a good shot of winning 50. I, they, they're going to do that 
that enough and i think they will do that enough and but it is this is a tough call this is one of the toughest calls on the board for me that it's at 47 and a half it had been at 46 or 45 i would have felt really really good about it but good on vegas for making it a, a tough line ready to move yeah, on to well, the and if i didn't say it I, I predicted 47 wins so did adam actually um and that was before we really had looked at the lines at, at that point so some of the, it's interesting too some of the ones that you did i haven't really thought about as much yet you know over the last I mean, you did what eight teams over your your run? yeah uh, i think i did seven oh, yeah because yeah, you did that one of those just the knicks and then the news uh but yeah let's move on to the golden state warriors 62 and a half that it has remained at that level since it opened uh i will let you go first here there are a couple things to reconcile with the warriors the first thing that's important to note is like yeah they did win 58 last year but they played it i believe it was a 66 win pace when steph yeah. curry was on the 40 floor and, 10, and i believe they're in games that he started and there are reasons to believe that he will miss less time this year i mean it, it, it he's been pretty solidly healthy ever since the early stuff that yeah. dodged his career and led to him signing a below market contract or actually it was a fair contract when it was signed it became a below market contract and so you have that as a factor that that's a factor in favor of the Warriors going over and oh I mean, last year their defense especially in transition was awful I could very in the beginning of the season I could totally see that again this is not a regular season team Uh-oh. well in terms of DeMarcus effort, they Cousins are, now so that should clean up the transition so that's going to solve everything so but what goes against it for me is the idea that this is going to be their you know they're going for their fifth consecutive finals every single person involved in the franchise knows that their goals are all all in may and june and so they're not going to push i think they're going to do more strategic resting of their guys in season i think kerr's going to start earlier in the year kind of getting more into the pop not all the way to what pop does but getting closer to that and i I think i remember the guys saying that they would rather have a whole game off rather than play fewer minutes in a game because then you can really take it as an off day that sort of approach i think they're going to start doing that more and they also have more to figure out in terms of the rotation i mean the center stuff is going to i mean until demarcus cousins get back then integrating him the perimeter rotation they they just are a little bit shallow i mean at this point we don't still don't know what's going on with patrick mccaw and i mean patrick if patrick mccaw yeah. has to be a whole lot better uh, than last I mean, year to even be a part if, of answering the problem if curry so to me it's all about curry's health with this team if he misses time this offense is not any good this is like an average offense at best they just don't have enough shooting while they did get cousins we mentioned it they failed to address the issue that they just don't have anyone else on the wing who can shoot i don't think jacob evans is going to be the answer patrick mccaw you know isn't even in camp right now uh because he, he remains a restricted free agent who knows what the story is with him quinn cook you know how much is he going to play not much you you, have, you would think and you know he provides some defensive issues so i mean i think you know if steph i think if steph plays 73 games or more you know the over you know i think you're right on that borderline in games that he doesn't play you know i expect them to be you know win 60 percent of those games at best this year yeah, and so then that that gets you kind of right in that number. So I'm going under here. There is certainly a chance with the, with the Warriors that they just they're healthier and the, when they're full strength, they're going to beat almost everybody. Even if they're not super motivated, they're just that good. But I think we'll see less of that this year. Maybe maybe we'll see more of it than last year. But they can. There's a margin between that and a 62 and a half over. I mean, they have to win 63 to to get this. And so yeah, I'm I'm going to go. Yeah, under. I picked them for 62 on the pod with Ethan. And so that would put them 0.5 under. So our first agreement 
Here is uh, the Golden State Warriors under 62 and a half. Houston is an interesting one. They started at a mere 54 and a half. Now have moved up to 56. That's also another consequence of doing it this late uh, is, you know, we're actually getting some solid numbers. So we have the possibility of some pushes here. Uh, 54 and a half would have been a very easy over uh, for me. 56 though, still, I've got them with 59 this year. I think, you know, there's a lot of good noise about James Ennis. It looks like, at least early on that Carmelo's role is going to be smaller than I might have thought initially uh, which I think is good uh you know the trade that they made with Ryan Anderson I think actually will hurt them a little bit in the regular season I think Anderson actually when healthy could help them in the regular season uh Brandon Knight is going to be out with an infection in that surgically repaired knee he's going to miss all of preseason so he's probably not going to help I don't see Marquise Chris helping that much you know maybe he can get into the backup center mix a, a little bit but uh, I still think that like James Harden, Chris Paul, those guys are so good uh, that in games when they're healthy, along with Capella, it's going to be real tough to beat them. I mean, they still look like the second best team in basketball to me with all those guys healthy. And usually the second best team in basketball wins more than 56. So I, I, I like the over at 59 wins was my prediction there. I feel pretty good about the over here. It's not not nearly as good as when when if we had done this early, it would have been hammer. Probably would have been one of my best bets at, at that because Houston, they had a plus nine differential last year. That's ridiculous. They were a 62 win team. For reference, 56, that's about a plus six point differential. So that's worse than the Warriors were last year, but better than the Sixers. I think their offense is still going to be great. And while I have a lot of misgivings about their offseason and you know the, the forces that led to it, most of those are larger playoff concerns than regular season concerns. This team still has the scheme, even without Bizdelic, to work defensively, and they have incandescent offensive talent. And remember that both Harden and Paul missed time last year. So it's not like that was the absolute zenith of what, you know, like that, that Houston, it was all a best case scenario. I mean, in terms of overall expectations, 65 and 17 was probably not going to be repeated. Yeah. But I, I think they have some they have some wiggle room there. And I mean, Chris Paul's probably going to miss time. He might miss about as much time as he did before, but Harden's hamstring issue, which also I think affected him even after he returned. And so it's one of those things where, oh, he, uh, I think he missed about 10 games last year, but he was limited in more games than that, despite being the justifiable MVP, being the absolute MVP. And so maybe Houston takes a little bit of a step back defensively. I'm not 100% sure of that. I mean, they ended up six. Yeah, there were times I mean, when do they were remember too that. that really in games when Luke and Bamute didn't play last year, they were pretty much an average defense during the regular season. And yeah, they have Ennis, who I think can be as good as Ariza was last year but they don't really have anyone for Luke you know if Chris plays you wonder how good he's going to be and then Chris Paul James Harden you know they killed the regular season last year what's the effort level going to be like especially for Martin you could see like if they do go under here you would think that it'd be the defense taking a big step back and the retirement of Bizdelic on the eve of the regular season which was odd they didn't really have a chance to they have other qualified assistants there they have this system in place but they didn't really have a chance to get in another defensive mastermind uh uh, Mike D'Antoni not known for that uh, in his coaching career you know the, so there is some concern about the defense like this isn't like an absolute no-brainer over to me uh but still I mean I think they just have so much talent that it, you see them as higher than 56 wins and also you know I mean I guess if we're betting if we're saying the over we still just get a push right if it, if it ends up being 56 no that's not right if it's oh if it's right on 56 then it's, it's, it's push, then right? it's neither it's neither right nor wrong it's right, a push okay. yeah I'm quite an expert on betting as you know uh anything else on these guys 
Oh, yeah. One other thing I want to mention. This won't affect their regular season record as much, though it could be a factor. My firmly held belief is that Houston is going to be a major player on the buyout market. And yeah, maybe for that Trevor could help Ariza. just a little bit at the end of the season. <laughs> maybe for Bond Trevor Reza. I mean, basically, yeah. And so you could see you could see them being in the mix, for especially for forwards. And that could help on the margins. And also something that could be a factor late is if they're in the mix for seeding purposes. I don't. We don't know exactly where the Warriors are going to be or where like the Jazz and a couple other teams. But that can be a motivator for them that wasn't really the case last year because they had such a big lead that they kind of fell back a little bit so maybe if they maybe i don't think they're going to push as hard game to game throughout the regular season but maybe they do a little bit in april and so they pick up a couple extra yeah i'll be interested to see where they are in terms of their matchup with golden state interested to see how good the rest of the west looks too it's like you know if you're the three seed and you're playing the six seed how what's the difference between playing the six seed or the eighth seed you know, that could be interesting as well uh i, I mean i still do think they are going to try hard for home court because it's hard to see them beating Golden State in Oracle, even if their own home court advantage isn't that amazing. Uh, but Golden State's kind of is, and so they want to at least avoid having to win games there. Um, let's move on to the Clippers. They're over under 38. And interestingly enough, he started at 35 and a half, and now they're all the way up at 38. At 35 and a half, I would have just been all over the over. And frankly, based on what my prediction was, 42 wins when we did a, the pod for them, I probably still should be all over uh, the over. You, though, you actually predicted right at 38 wins. So uh, this would be an interesting one for you. It is not only because of that, but because on the, the Real Gem Radio one, it, I had it at 35 and a half and picked the over. And now I'm picking the under on 38 oh, because picking picking the problem with 38 for me is then you're sitting there comparing 39 and 37 because yeah. that's really like if this was 37 and a half, I might even consider going over. But if I'm saying they're going, OK, they're going to win 39. This gets back to what I talked about with Dallas of a, I see the Clippers being out of the playoff mix, you know, a little bit. And that just even if and, and they would retain their pick should that be the case because it's a playoff protected pick that they owe to the Boston Celtics and so then they do care a little bit about about where it goes and the Clippers are in this weird place where I like a lot of the players on their team but I think I might be overrating their talent because I like but but don't love anybody like it's it's a it's an unusual problem and what I what kind of crystallized it for me when I was thinking about it this morning was the idea that I they have defensive talent they have defensive players that I like but most of the defensive players that I like are on the perimeter and generally when that happens the team doesn't perform defensively the way that I expect you know like Marcin Gortat is not going to be cleaning up a lot of messes for them this year Harold you know I, I maybe he has a little bit more room to grow and Doc did a wonderful job last year kind of cobbling it together but some of that was with really hungry young guys that were just looking for a shot and were just playing balls to the wall the whole time and this year's team is a little bit different they have a lot of guys in contract years to be sure but they also you know they have that that could lead to guys kind of playing for themselves a little bit more and they're not trying to earn a spot. It's a little bit different and they have depth, which is important, but they don't really have that high end talent. Like when they go in and play, let's say Charlotte or when they play Detroit, you're not sitting there going, oh man, Charlotte's really going to have to worry about how they defend. And Tobias Harris, I, I think that he's a little bit underappreciated around the league, but there isn't much on this team that you really have to game plan for. And I, I, that's something that concerns me. I think actually Lou Williams is someone that you need to game plan for um, and his pick and roll ability. We, we saw him light teams up. I, I don't expect him to have quite the same level of year, obviously, at, at his age as last year. But I mean, if you think about after the Blake Griffin trade, until like the very end when they fell out of it and just stopped playing anybody, I, I don't recall 
recall their exact record from that time, but they certainly were over 500 playing it over. They stayed in that playoff race, which was so captivating up until the, the last weekend of the season. And I mean, I think if you look at what they've added, they didn't have Avery Bradley at all during that time. Gallinari basically didn't play at all. Uh, and, and again, I'm not like a huge believer in how, how good DeAndre Jordan is. Like, I don't think his loss is going to hurt them that much. Well, and, and also Patrick Beverly. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, that that's another significant, yeah. another significant loss. Yeah, I, I will say this. On talent, the Clippers are meaningfully better than a 38-win team. I'm just, it's, it's just kind of a feel thing for me that they're going to end up in, they're going to end up in the high 30s and that that gravity will drag them back a little bit. But it, it's, I mean, considering I picked the over a 35 and a half, I have no opposition to somebody picking it at 38. Yeah, and I actually predict them at 42 wins. So I, I think this is, uh, we'll see uh, where they end up. And obviously this is also a team incentive-wise they do have that lottery protected pick usually a lottery protected pick doesn't have too much incentive but i think them making the playoffs is going to be a big concern for this team because they have this double max space coming up here and just perception wise even though most of the guys who are would get them to the playoffs are going to be off the roster to give them that double max space uh or at least free agents there still is just that uh, perception so i think you know uh, that's uh, that motivation to make the playoffs is going to be there so yeah i I, i'm uh pretty strong on the over for these guys yeah i have an abstract question for you i I was thinking about it when i was thinking this morning and the clippers seem like the team off the top of my head that i have the greatest variance in my in my mind for their offensive ranking and defensive ranking this year or like i because i partially because i'm just trying to figure out what this team is like i could see to me it's gonna be the biggest the biggest gap there well denver's offense we know is going to be great what i'm saying is for the clippers like i could see them being you know pretty good offensively lou williams is going to certainly help their bench if assuming he goes back to more of a bench role oh, wait, are, are you saying the difference and, between actually, the offense and the defense or just the, no 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 what i'm what i'm saying is the conceivable like the like they could finish 10th or they could finish 20th uh, or something oh, okay, like that okay, yeah. like, like like that sort of thing so like yeah i could see the clippers defensively i could see it totally just not working and so maybe they're like 20 24th yeah, or 22nd that's where it defense. can really fall apart is I, I think they could just absolutely suck defensively but i think they're i think they're pretty right. a and pretty so, good bet to be a good offense though yeah I, I think they will be but they don't really have the that uh, other than Lou and if he doesn't start then that could end up being a problem because you're going against good teams uh in, in terms of their st- I think their starting offensive rating might not be super good because they just don't really have that guy to create seams it was a concern I had about the Spurs last year and you know the, I think the Spurs ended up what like 18th in offense last year yeah yeah the Spurs 17. the Spurs are definitely a, a weird offense and even more so this year as we'll get to who's up next up next is a team that always generates a, a a nuanced and cautious response on the internet, the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers last, I don't even think we need to talk about what they were last year because this is a completely different team. And they're still figuring out, you know, Lonzo's still working his way back from his knee thing. He, we're recording this on Sunday. The, he's not starting, but I yeah. believe the that he'll be expected to start the regular season. Uh, uh, well, uh, well that not start games actually Rondo, not start be 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 available be, be available in game sorry yeah. he, i should have clarified playing that. five on and, five playing contact in practice did not play in the preseason game today and but luke walton has already declared that rajon rondo will in fact be the starter at the beginning of the season i know that a lot of people will think of this season as a referendum on lebron james for both the lakers and the Cavs, and there there are elements of that and the reason i'm going under on the lakers is really it's not necessarily an indictment on lebron 
on. It's that I think it's going to take Luke Walton a long time to figure out what guys make sense around him. I mean, we even saw this with the Cavs last year and the Cavs had LeBron James. Like they had him retaining a lot of those guys. They still had to overhaul their roster. Regular season LeBron, I don't think he's going to be motivated like that going to LA and being on a team that's not probably a championship contender is going to motivate him to give a crap on defense in the regular season. And that could have some spillover effects. There's some arguments that that could happen in reverse for the Cavs this year. And they have a lot of guys, but I, I there are some fit issues there. And I, I, I could see them having a very good season and still not winning 40, 48 games. And so that's why I'm going under. Yeah, it's right at 48. It, interestingly, it's actually gone down. Uh, more people taking the Lakers under. It started at 48. Which is shocking. Yeah, usually those big teams, the Lakers and Knicks, uh, end up. Uh, but maybe the books have learned their lesson and have kind of overpriced it. But that said, I mean, it's LeBron James, man. It's a real good player. It is tough for me to imagine a team with him getting under 48 wins. I mean, if you just go by what these over-unders are, that would put them as the fifth seed if they're right at 48 wins. Uh, Now seems like a decent time to note that the Cleveland Cavaliers won 50 games last year because they exceeded their point differential by 7.2 wins. Yeah, and I mean, the place to start about this team, we have I'm going to do their preview next Sunday night. But so I, I haven't had a chance to think about them quite as much as I would have liked. But I think their defense is such an interesting question at this point. 14th a year ago. You, know, you wouldn't say they had great personnel, but they played pretty hard. And this year, Josh Hart presumably is going to play a little bit more. KCP is a good defender. The, I think from Lonzo to Rondo in the starting lineup is a big downgrade, though. Ingram has been getting good reviews from his defense in camp. I think he's solid defensively. They're also talking about using like Kyle Kuzma as a small ball center. JaVale McGee started at center for them today. By the way, Mo, Wa- Mo Wagner is going to miss the entire preseason with the knee contusion that he suffered way back in summer league, which is a concern. Uh, not that he's going to be in the rotation to start with anyway but just wanted to say that since we're talking about them and and that's some news that came out uh that's a little concerning uh you'll remember that Lonzo Ball also had a knee contusion that he had to get shut down with and eventually had surgery you know they got Mike Beasley on this team too it's just Lance Stevenson it's really it could go they could be anywhere from like you know a bad defense to like a pretty darn good defense I mean they really were going in that direction of being a very good defense last year at times and so they're probably going to switch a lot they've got a lot of like-sized bodies they can use but a lot of those like-sized bodies haven't played that hard <laughs> in a while so and then just what is LeBron going to be you know when you had Joe Varden on for the preview little, uh in this most recent episode he was talking about LeBron James was a huge reason why the Cavs were bad defensively last year although in previous years I don't think that he necessarily was uh, and I agree with that so is he going to be I mean what do you think here are they going to be better or worse than the 14th in defense that they were a year I think they'll be worse, but not necessarily a lot worse because they they have a lot of guys defensively that I like. And now they're deep enough that they can really run through players. And they also had some turnover last year. But I mean, last year, so KCP, even with all his legal stuff, he played the most minutes of anybody on the Lakers at under 2,500. They only had three guys that played 2,000. And so like Lonzo, Lonzo missed 30 games. And I think he's one of their better defenders relative to his position. But the, the other big concern is just their rim protection. Not that it was necessarily 
necessarily a strength last year, but I was skeptical of their defense for that reason last year. And they came back to earth a little bit. I think they were like seventh or eighth for a portion of last year. Yeah, I mean, they're starting JaVale and Rondo. I mean, that is a really bad combination defensively. Uh, And who knows how much JaVale's going to play. There are these people people who are like, oh yeah, you know, if you go to LeBron at center and uh, they can switch things. And certainly there are elements that, but their help defense is going to be a major problem, you know, when they they go to those lineups because you need really smart and active defenders. And a lot of those guys haven't really had to do that. Either they're young or they haven't had the accountability. So I could see them just giving up easy baskets, something that LeBron's Cavs teams did a lot. You know, those teams just had it. And then how much are they going to battle getting back in transition? Like, is it going to be one or two guys that really try to tire the shoulder? Because they're going to run a lot on offense. Accountability problem. That's the oh yeah, that's the uh, the idea here. So yeah, I don't know. It's that's really thinking about their defense is a very interesting question to me because they have Lonzo Ingram. KCP and as far as like good regular season defenders that's about it you know I mean everyone else like Kuzma was uh, Josh I think Josh oh, Hart will yeah. be I think Hart will oh, be good well if he plays you know I mean if they're gonna like I don't know if how they're gonna play gonna Lance play. Yeah, oh I mean, my god you know, so it's just a lot of variability I mean I think they can throw some really good defensive lineups out there but if it's gonna be Beasley and Rondo and LeBron you know and LeBron getting pissed off at those guys not executing and then he's not gonna try either and it could all fall apart you know maybe by the end of the year they're just playing the young guys I think paradoxically usually young guys suck on defense but actually their young guys are much better than the old guys defensively uh, with maybe with the exception of Kuzma oh and one other thing I wanted to mention is that the Lakers I would be shocked if they used significant future assets or like young guys to get better in the immediate this year Like, I think that's something they could do in the future, but uh, I don't think they're going to be really pushing, you know, if they're, you know, maybe if it's uh, the chance of like missing versus making the playoff, should they end up in that range? Maybe they would do something, but then we're not talking about them going over here. No. So I don't, unless, because I, I don't think they're like trading for a star or something like that because they think they can get somebody in free agency that would require giving up assets and everything like that. So that's a, another way that a team can go over in these circumstances if you think they're going to be meaningfully better. And while I believe that the Lakers will be playing a better subset of of their personnel late in the year i do not think they will have substantially increased their talent through external means yeah that's a, a good way to put it i mean maybe they could be a, a good buyout destination but uh, aside from that I, I agree with you i don't see any big trades being made here i mean unless it's just you know disgruntled superstar and lonzo balls in the trade or something like that you know maybe maybe that ends up happening but i i, I still that that seems unlikely it seems like the plan is free agency next year and then offensively you also have to question we, we we've been saying this for the last three or four years but but is this the year that LeBron James just isn't quite the same player? And unlike in Cleveland, they have not really given him the environment to thrive. You know, Lonzo supposedly a better shooter, uh, but haven't seen that yet. He wasn't able to work out um, in terms of contact all offseason. Rondo, Ingram, you know, was going to have to take a major step forward in terms of his volume playing off the ball. Uh, so they can put some lineups out there that can be pretty decent shooting lineups to, to be sure. But again, you know, much like defensively, there are a lot of lineups that aren't going to be good enough shooting. Lance is another guy who just is a horrible shooter. You know, they, you're going to have to get Josh Hart out there. I mean, to me, he and KCP are such key players for this team as the guys who can defend and hit shots. You know, they don't really have anybody else who falls into the three and D category on this team other than those two guys. And those are the guys who have thrived the most around LeBron. Everyone else is really going to have to take major step forward with the jump shot. And so it's really... 
It's tough for me. There are young guys. They, they certainly could go over here if they can get to the right lineup combinations, if certain guys take the right steps forward. I think I ultimately will join you on the under and just believing that this is not a great fit. I do think that Walton is a solid coach. Um, you know, Injuries have been a problem there as well. I'm not a huge believer in their medical staff. Uh, how many games is LeBron going to play this year also? That's a question. Are they going to be any good when he doesn't play? So yeah, I guess I, I will go with the under, but I, I don't feel great picking against LeBron here. It's just that, you know, I'm not sure what he's going to be able to do defensively. You know, is he going to just kill their defense the way he did in Cleveland? Tough to say. And it's so funny to say that because LeBron was still one of Cleveland's better defenders last year, even in regular season LeBron mode. It was just that it, that the effect of that permeated their defense, and it could be the same the same risk for the Lakers. But we can move on to the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies had a disastrous last year. Don't even need to really talk about their win total because they had some they had their key players miss so much time. And they were just a rich mess for late in the year when they were you know trying to lose a lot. But the over under line is set at thirty three and a half. And I'll start with this one because I I feel pretty good about this over like it's not my favorite one on the board or anything like that but memphis is a talented team you know they, they have they have conley and gosola can play they added more depth which i think was a big problem last year the perimeter depth was they just didn't have guys i mean dylan brooks played the most minutes of any rookie last year that's a pretty good sign of, of where their perimeter rotation was they added kyle anderson they added garrett temple who's a solid pro who can help give depth to their rotation i think jermichael green will have a better year he missed some time that was a factor but also did that gasol and Conley, I think they'll play more than they did. You know, not necessarily saying they'll get all the way back. And that's what surprised me about this line. I thought it was going to be more in the mid-30s and I was going to go under. Instead, it's in the low-30s and I'm going to go over. The quotes about Mike Conley after that left heel surgery was, of course, the left Achilles tendon that caused him so many problems two years ago. And then, of course, he was shut down very early in the season last year. I should say three years ago it was that he suffered the the issues. But uh, he's in full participation in camp reports are that he's pretty good he is 30 however uh turns 31 october 11th that is a, a concern and if he doesn't play i mean they're in big trouble and they just have nobody on this team who can get to the room and probably your best guy getting to the basket is wayne selden uh, after mike conley and we just don't know what kind of shape conley's going to be in in terms of just how effective he is gasol is certainly on the downside took a very worrying step backward defensively last year i know you talked with chris harrington about all right how much of that was just being in a hopeless situation where no one else could execute and how much of it was you know he's an old and kind of not the sveltest although he's done a good job keeping himself in shape throughout his career uh seven footer and then there's also the situation with their draft pick another jeff green related draft pick yeah, my un, my unrequited love for there being two important pick protections involving Jeff Green, actually both involving the Memphis Grizzlies too, is, is pretty amazing. And so for Memphis, their pick is protected one through eight this coming year. And one through eight, you can massage a little bit. I think they would probably want to target getting to six or so. So kind of if the wheels come off, then you want to push them all the way off. That's sort of the approach. Well, and, and this, but this the line other, is right around there too. I mean, and it is. And especially if Conley misses. And, and and, then, and this is another one of those, like, they, if they win around these type of games, they'll be far out of the playoff mix, probably. They'll be 10, 10 games or so out. So then that's an argument because then then it gets easier to slide back. You know, I don't think as many people care if you win 30 versus 34 as care if you win 40 versus 44. Yeah. And, you know, I know Chris was saying basically his belief was that the window has passed for trading Conley or Gasol. And 
certainly the party line has been, no, we want to build around these guys like the Jazz built around Stockton and Malone. Well, those guys aren't quite as good as Stockton and Malone were, unfortunately. Uh, But it certainly seems like they're trying to get back to the playoffs. That's the main idea here. But I'm uh, really skeptical about how close they can get and how good those guys are. Still, though, 33 and a half, that is low. And I think if Conley is healthy all year, they are a very good bet to go over that. I'm just a little concerned about his health, and it's just such a drop-off without him. I am reluctantly going to go with the over here. They certainly burned me last year. I think their over was like 38 or something, and obviously uh, with the Conley injury, they did not come very close to that. That was probably my biggest miss last year. But 33 and a half is just so low. It just it really just concerns me that they have this top eight protected pick and that they could be like kind of close to that borderline as of now yeah. yeah, this could end up being one of the bad beats. Like, that's absolutely a possibility here, that they're playing at, like, a 36-38 win pace for the whole time, and then they're just like, and just get back to, like, 33, and then I'll just be pissed. It ha- It's possible. Yeah, I mean, and they're, as far as, like, being, the other thing, too, is, like, I don't necessarily expect them to be in playoff contention, right? And so that's another reason to pull the plug. And then they also have the ability, if Conley doesn't play, to just suck immediately with just that one step. And so that's also a concern. And they're uh, pretty experienced tankers after last season. So, I, I mean, this is a, it's a tough over for me. I don't feel great about it. You went over as well? Yeah, I did. Okay. Well, you do not have to worry about going over budget with movement. They've grown like crazy. They've sold almost 2 million watches in over 160 countries, and that's a great way to support the pod. If you're an international listener as well, get a movement watch that started just $95. They continue to revolutionize fashion on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. Actually, my wife, I still want to say fiance, actually, but uh, no, she is my wife now, was really upset that she forgot to bring her watch uh, on the honeymoon. She loves them. My mom has bought a bunch of them as gifts for my cousins, her nieces. And I think I really like their 40 series. I like a little bit smaller uh, of a watch. Just go to the link movement.com slash capspace. That's mvmt.com slash capspace. And just check out what they have. I think you'll be really impressed they have such great style with these watches and with that link movement.com mvmt.com slash capspace you can get 15 percent off with free shipping and free returns that's pretty awesome especially again if you're an international listener see why they keep growing check out their constantly expanding collection that's movement.com slash capspace mvmt.com slash capspace join the movement so i intentionally did not bring my microphone with me for the first two legs of my trip. And it was a good thing that I, and specifically I didn't because I knew I would just be tempted to record if like some news went down or something. And when the Jimmy Butler trade request came out, I was just so desperate to, and it was, I was like, no, I can't do it with just my like computer microphone. Uh, cause that, that would take us back to the really bad old days of audio quality of Dunked On, like the first like four episodes that we did. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about some thoughts on the Jimmy Butler situation. You did a great job talking about it with Bond Temps. But the thing with, that I don't think has been discussed yet on the show is how we got to this point. And that was put into stark relief to me by the reporting indicating that Butler and his agent Bernie Lee had hoped that the Wolves would renegotiate and extend his contract. 
you'll recall that they offered him about the maximum they could, which was four years, a little over a hundred million. Uh, some reports of one ten, but because he had gotten a signing bonus in his first contract, his base salary is lower, and you build the extension off of that. So it's actually uh in the low one hundred million range. Obviously, that's not something that Butler was particularly interested in. You know, believing that he can get that four year contract for over thirty million a season, well over thirty million a season as a free agent next year. But he wanted a renegotiation extension to get up to the max for this year and then four years on top of that which would have been a lot of new money and and he would have stuck around for that well I don't know whether he made that desire known when they traded for him but you'll recall when they traded for him they actually had a ton of cap space last season and think of all the things that they did after that you know if that request was made to them and and I can't remember when it was that Butler changed agents to Bernie Lee it might have been after the trade uh but if they knew that and they knew that they had to keep Butler they got in a situation where they had absolutely zero flexibility they had already given that disastrous extension to Gorgie Jang uh the previous year they couldn't have done anything about that at the time but then they gave Wiggins the, the max extension for this year that's kicking in so they didn't have any cap space for this season uh, they brought in Taj Gibson. They brought in Jeff Teague. And certainly they wanted to try and win. I don't think that the Gibson or Teague contracts are necessarily bad contracts for this year. And remember, 2017 is a much different environment than 2018. But this is a team that had no flexibility. And so maybe if they had not extended Wiggins, if they had maybe gone a one-year route uh, with Gibson... Uh, or just sign someone else instead. And I didn't really care for the fit there either. I mean, that's another thing too. You know, the Wolves just didn't win at a level, maybe commensurate with their talent because they just haven't, I think, put the right, you know, then they got destroyed by Houston. I'm sure that's part of why Butler wasn't as happy because uh, he supposedly wants to win. Although he also wants to go to the Nets or Clippers, which uh, might make you question that a little bit. But you know, they really were not anywhere close to being in contention in the Western Conference. I think that's in part because, I mean, let me ask you this, Danny. Can you think of a single move that they've done outside of the Butler trade itself that you can say well as like an unequivocal success? I like the Anthony Tolliver signing, but again, that hasn't really yeah, borne any Yeah, fruit for, from yet. the past, really. You know, that, that one's tough to judge. Yeah. I mean, Derek Rose for the minimum. But yeah, it, it, it's a fair point. And also, so, so I want to make a point there as well. You're talking about the renegotiation extension. If, Jimmy Butler and his camp reached out with saying that they were willing to do that and Minnesota was able to do it. So if it was if it was before they signed Teague or Gibson, depending on what the, the chronology here is very important and we don't know all of it. But if if let's say if that were the case and Minnesota did not do that, it was malpractice because Jimmy Butler getting agreeing to a renegotiation extension, then it would have done a couple of important things. Sure, they would have paid him more in the immediate, but you would have been mitigating a ton of risk, not only risk in terms of him signing a big contract, but also because the terms of a renegotiation extension, it wouldn't have been this crazy five-year deal that would have started in 2019. This would have started with the 17-18 season because remember, extensions count the existing years. So they couldn't have really screwed themselves as much with that kind of a deal. And so maybe if they, if he said, I want to go all the way up to my max, it would have made, I'd have to run the numbers to see if that would have made me queasy. But almost anything short of that, I would have been completely on board with it. And yeah, they probably would have been a little bit of a worse team last year and then i mean you get into all this stuff i'm sure something else that pissed him off was andrew wiggins getting the full boat a year in advance and then basically having the season he had i can i can imagine that driving jimmy butler absolutely insane 
And so you kind of see it's like, oh God, if I commit to this team, I'm playing with these guys. And maybe there's some beef with Townsend. I don't know that either. But I, this is the team. This is the organization I'm going to be with for the next five years. And I could see the him seeing the writing on the wall and saying, that's not what I want. And Butler, more so than the other high-end free agents in this class, depending on Irving's injury status, the concept of signing with bird rights is, in, is incredibly enticing for him because that fifth year really does matter. Yeah, especially because, you know, at his age, he'll be 30, and he's he's a player who, you know, I expect to be around, you know, the 15th best player in the NBA this year. And also coming off a, a knee surgery, he got a lot of miles on him. And so, yeah, he's a guy who getting that fifth year, I think, it is really important to him. And we'll see what kind of a year he has this year, too. You know, I, I, I could see him really taking a step back this year. But so many teams have space that you have to imagine someone will come with a max contract for him. You know, unless he really suffers a, a major injury. But let's talk about the Wolves this year. The assumption will be that Butler is going to be traded. It seems very unlikely that he will actually join the team and play this year. The latest reports, you know, they're saying that he's out with a hand injury. He's been excused, but he's made it clear he does not want to return. Regardless of whether, you know, hey, they're, they think that like they can force him to play and people are like, oh, if he doesn't show up within report within 30 days, he loses a, a year of service. And, uh, that's never going to come and play. If they try and force him to report, he will. He'll come up with some bullshit injury. Like, he, is, if you're a star like him and you're in this situation, you can find a way to get out. They always do. There's never been a situation. The Kyrie the Kyrie Irving template, it yeah. could be coming back. could be that. I mean, Allen Iverson, you know, was sent home when he wanted out of Philly. I mean, there's, they, the star always gets their way in this situation. If they really do truly want out. Vince Carter just playing like crap intentionally so he could get out of Toronto. I mean, there, there's Carmelo Anthony probably probably Bobby Marks noted this the other day is the guy who's the most professional about this ironically and you know professional in the sense that like you know he was just fulfilling his contract and playing I, I have no problem with guys being like hey I want out of here I want to go play somewhere else and doing whatever they can because certainly teams take the chance to do whatever they can and use the rules I mean Butler was certainly a victim of that with the Bulls when he was a restricted free agent and wanted to have a shorter contract at that time and they used the maximum qualifying offer and made himself for longer. Also, a quick aside here too, Carl Anthony Towns not getting a player option, I think is going to be something he's really going to regret. Uh, someone at his level should have been able to negotiate a player option and get basically whatever he wanted. Uh, and we see guys like Butler, Anthony Davis, Paul George, like think of where those guys are as opposed to like, you know, Damian Lillard who signed for the full five years uh, in terms of being able to control their destiny. So that's uh, a quick aside there, but getting to the team now, I don't expect Butler to be a part of it. The question then becomes, Danny, what the hell are they going to get for him and how much is that going to help him this year in terms of their over-under, which is now moved from 44 and a half, which has already seemed very low. Uh, I actually predicted them when we didn't know this Butler stuff uh, at being 48 wins uh, with John Krasinski and he had him up in the 50s. But now without Butler, 40 and a half, your thoughts then on what they might get back for him and you know how that could affect their over under a huge factor determining what they get back is the fact that they have a coach gm i mean tom thibodeau is not going to be as interested in a package involving draft picks involving rebuilding as i would believe a, a an otherwise motivated gm would be and i think a, that that would be my priority as well so that actually leads to maybe a stronger win total for this season but oh but by, by the way you, I mean, you mentioned that real quickly remind me to talk about glenn taylor and his whole effect on this thing i think 
think he's getting oh like, my god way to getting off scot free here. Where you know it's completely insane. Yeah, but but please, yeah, you're, like, I mean, yeah. We, should we should we just talk about it, that now? Uh, no, let's do it now. I mean, there are many forms of bad ownership, but the blatant undermining of your coach and GM and like everything with Layden. I don't I don't know exactly the terms that that Tibbs has and Layden has, but you can't do that. You can't if you don't trust your general manager, your your front office to negotiate a trade, then you fire them. You can't, or, or you give yeah. somebody else the power. You can't, there, there's no way that you can make this work. Yeah. Uh, and, or, or maybe you don't hire someone and pay them $8 million a year when, you know, Tom Thibodeau is just uh, to be the coach GM, you know, like, like and who, who could have guessed that Tom Thibodeau might have some sort of an issue dealing with authority? Yeah, and, and, and they could have, you know, like the, the, this was an issue last year. They could have resolved it earlier in the summer. Like, and it, 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 there was some reporting in one of the Krasinski pieces that this might not have been. I think it was that this was not the first time Jimmy Butler made overtures about not yeah. wanting to commit long term to the Wolves. So, yeah, like, he uh, might not have demanded uh, a trade or, until or now, but just, those misgivings you know, forced Tom Thibodeau to just be the coach then and take away his yeah. decision making part. I mean, like, to to have someone in place that isn't listening to you and you're the owner. I mean, and then not only that, at least like, you know, to just uh, now maybe what you can say is, Hey Tom, like if you don't do this, I'm going to fire you and fire you with cause for not listening to me. And, you know, but he could be like, Hey, you know, I'm trying to get a good deal. I just can't do it. You know, like, so, so he can always uh, kind of play it that way, but to then just like tell every owner in a way that's going to get out that, Oh yeah. You know, and, and like, Woj, who is usually like very even handed because these guys are all of his sources and he doesn't want to piss them off. Uh, although I don't know if Thibodeau is necessarily a, a source of his, but probably isn't. But to he's been like, yeah, this is one of like the most ridiculous situations that there's ever been and no one knows who to talk to. And, and, but I mean, you know, it starts off with just the decision to hire Tom Thibodeau as your GM, sort of, you know, pay that price to Satan so you can have him as the coach, knowing that he's going to screw up as the GM, which he, other than the Butler trade, really has. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, it's just probably enough on this. It's not what this podcast is supposed to be about, but you know, I, I had some thoughts that, that I needed to get out of it. And this just continues. Glenn Taylor has been, you know, just a, a pretty, one of the worst owners in the NBA for a very very long time and there's a reason why that they you know back to the decision oh hey Andrew Wiggins we'll uh we'll give you a max extension if you just promise to be better <laughs> just you know going on tv or or local radio and like saying all this weird stuff that undermines their way just like yeah he's been a, a disaster and then he and Tom Thibodeau together is just really been a disaster and so who knows what the hell they're gonna get for him right I mean it's just like are they gonna get you know a Josh Richardson from Miami, someone who's really going to help them this year. They're definitely not like the, what they're talking about is a price flick. Like, oh yeah, someone who's an established veteran and a good young player and a draft flick. Like, no, you're not getting all that for Jimmy Butler in the last year of his deal, especially because you know Butler probably comes with having to pay a contract that unless you get a second star because you have Jimmy Butler, ends up probably being a negative for you anyway going forward. So you know when you're trading for him, you're trading for him on basically you know a six year contract, giving you know offering him the five your max next year you're just not going to get that type of a price for them uh so how long does this drag on are they going to not have jimmy butler and the fruits of a jimmy butler trade for a while it just all sounds like a disaster so 40 and a half what do you think <laughs> now that we've talked about this for like 15 minutes so there are, I, I the place i want to start is 
it, we had a weird sample because of the way Tibbs plays his guys last year with Towns and without Jimmy Butler. But so they were a plus 10 net rating when those guys played together. And when Towns played without Butler, that plus 10 went to a negative 1.1. And there were erosions on offense and defense. I mean, the defense dropped by eight points and the offense dropped by three. But both of those make complete sense. I mean, this team does not have many good defenders. Like, that's just not a strength of the Minnesota Timberwolves outside of Jimmy Butler. I think he was really propping them up. And perimeter play players don't usually do that but I do believe it with him and Butler was a a higher efficiency offensive option not than every I mean Towns is a wonderful offensive player to be sure but then Wiggins you know Teague was up and down last year and they don't really have that many other options and I mean that getting somebody let's say it's like Josh Richardson as, as the best player that they get back in the deal Josh Richardson will help especially defensively I think he would help but, them a ton to be honest like, like Butler for all of his brilliance was not the greatest fit because you know he's another on ball guy i mean getting someone who can sure. shoot i think you know I, I wouldn't expect their offense to take that huge of a step back without him but yeah i, I j- my instinct though is i mean because is that they would they would end up going more for a win now guy but they also the other big thing that happens by theoretically taking a step back with by losing jimmy butler is that you start to get into the margin where you're not necessarily pushing for wins it might be that you're falling back to the field a little bit and that's uh, uh, always that gets into the slippery slope stuff and then also they become more more susceptible to injuries to other guys like then towns missing 10 games hurts you a lot more if you don't have jimmy butler that sort of thing so i'm gonna go under i don't feel super good about it because there is an easy rationale their offensive talent is is strong i mean they have they have a lot there and defensively it's hard to imagine them being worse like you know even without jimmy i mean they'll add they'll add somebody who could play a little bit there but i i'm just gonna go under so two years ago and obviously it was a different team they had zach levine they had chris dunn on that team team two had the point differential of a 38 win team although they only won 31 and then last year i think eight and nine without butler in the lineup this feels like kind of a 500 type of team which of course is about where the over under is the at least wiggins and towns never get hurt you know teague really doesn't seem to miss much time either uh, they still have taj gibson and they expect him to take a little bit of a step back troublesome that the wolves started Derek rose at the two in butler's absence if that's going to be I, I mean again Tom Thibodeau just has no understanding of like how usage and floor spacing combine to create an offense. So you're going to have Rose, Wiggins, Taj Gibson, Teague, and Towns. You know, Towns again is your best three point shooter. Uh, maybe they can improve things with Tolliver, but and then are they going to defend or not? You would think, hey, you know, if they had a 38 win point differential a couple years ago, this team is a lot more talented. Then they got Teague, they got Gibson, Wiggins, and Towns are a couple years older. They should be better. Towns could have just you know he's not gonna have a lot of space to work with but he'll at least have more chances offensively you would think although maybe not with rose also in the starting lineup until he gets hurt uh i think i'm gonna go under also it also this also just seems like such a horribly dysfunctional team and season you could see thibodeau getting fired so i i think i'll go with the under i i I, I don't even think i don't even think yeah, disaster potential is exactly what I was going to say. Like, this could completely just go off the rails this year. And yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. They could, they absolutely have the talent to go over. This is not an, an easy an easy thing to say and it's potent it's very possible that whoever they get back for jimmy butler will really help them and maybe it can be part of what yeah. I, I mean if they get Kier, josh richardson on this team and like actually play him you know i think he could actually push them to be over you know if they had him it but yeah it really remains to be is seen. it is it is it time for me to to 
throw one more grenade in this? If they add Josh Richardson, he would be their best swingman, right? Like classifying that as the two and the three? Oh, well, I mean, it's not even a question. There are people who would disagree vehemently with us, but those people I, are I think I don't think there are that many Wiggins defenders left anymore. Because even the people who were archaic enough to believe, oh, points per game, he's so good, like, are now like, oh, well, he, like, the, the playoffs last year and last season and sort of like the, like, whispers about him from tough guys like Jimmy Butler, it's like, then he's like, oh, he doesn't try hard enough. He doesn't have it. You know, like, like those, the same people who are like the points per game brigade are also the like, oh, he doesn't want it enough guys. So like that now has become the prevailing story with him. And so I think like even those people seem to have turned on him now. There, there's still probably a few people in the league who are a believer in Wiggins, but uh, yeah. And we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll get better. I mean, it's not impossible. Uh, maybe you can continue on a little bit more of an upward curve. He did try a little harder last year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I like the under, I, I reserve the right to change that when we find out what the hell they get in the trade i mean it's so difficult to anticipate especially with thibodeau and and like no one even knows what they want in a trade not to mention what they can get at this point it seems like so until further notice i'm going under especially with just all these massive chemistry issues that they seem to have and and certainly i don't have any higher hopes for their defense than uh has been the case these last couple of years so let's move on to new orleans at 45 and a half Pelicans won 47 last year. They had the point differential of a 47 win team. And that, you know, that includes DeMarcus Cousins missing half the season. And I, this team at full strength, I really enjoy. I love Drew Holiday. Anthony Davis is incredible. Their front court rotation is fascinating. I'm still worried about the three. I will be worried about the three forever. But the, the argument basically is that will they be as good as they were last year in terms of record? And at full strength, my answer is yes. But last year, Anthony Davis played 75 games. Games. Drew Holiday played 81 games. Etwan Moore played 82 games. And yes, DeMarcus Cousins only played 48, but they had Miritich for 30. So, you know, they had about, you know, 75 games of quality play at the other starter next to Anthony Davis. And so even though I like the Pelicans and if they're full strength, I will I will watch them a lot. I will I will be very happy with them. I, I might even pick them to win a playoff series, depending on where they end up. In the- I'm not going to bet on Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday combining to play as many games as they did last year. That, that's, you know, it, it's not the history of either one of those guys. Davis has missed plenty of time throughout his career. And and while some of Drew's missed time was not due to physical issues or due to things that you worry about recurring, playing him playing 81 games, you know, that that's a lot for anybody. Well, you predicted them for 48 wins on the podcast that we did together. You don't sound like you're going over here, though. I'm going under. I, I, I spent just thought about basically, it more, I'm. Yeah, I thought about it more. Well, so the problem is I love them full strength. Like at full strength, I think this team could win in the 50s. Like that's that's how good I I feel about them. The other big worry for me, and I was I watched a little bit of their game today. They're playing Chicago. Is that as much as Rajon Rondo is, you know, like he's a, a div- divisive figure. Yeah, Alfred he was Payton important for this team. A divisive figure because there's really nope. nothing good that you can say about him at this point. At exactly. Least in terms of the on off. But you know, I mean, we talked and, extensively about what he's going to bring to this. I mean, he's such a variable but there's a reason to believe he could be better is this he just hasn't had good coaching you know he's but he certainly has talent i mean he can't deny that yeah and and maybe if because i believe they signed jared jack to a non-guaranteed contract i personally think jared jack is a much better fit for this team than ian clark even though you know clark is younger and all these type of things just because jared jack is a capable steward and that might be a problem when drew holiday well, you know yeah, when, if, even if when you're talking about ian clark as a point guard I, I think clark is a better yes fit yeah which which i the ball. yeah and i with and maybe a Frank Jackson's able to, to play and all that, then then you can get into a different conversation. But I just worry that, you know, they don't have as many guys to kind of fall back on. And there there was 
there were a lot of things that went well for them last year. You know, Rondo did help them both kind of from a locker room standpoint, but just as a capable hand on the perimeter. And Solomon Hill, I like. I like Solomon Hill quite a bit. I probably like Solomon Hill better overall as a player than Rondo, but his limitations could be a, a problem with this team. And they, I think they're so reliant on their on their best guys being healthy that I, I'm, no, I'm not going to bet on that for any team. And so then for me, it's like if they're a 51 team and they're healthy, but then they're like a 45-1 team outside of that, I'm going to kind of go on that end. I went with the over. I think they just, uh, Anthony Davis is too good. They're going to be playing him at center. I like their three-man front court rotation a lot. They are going to cause a lot of matchup problems for traditional teams on any given night. I share your concerns about the health. You know, I, I picked him for 46 wins, though, in the pot. I, I will stick with that, and that would be over uh, by 0. .5. Uh, and I, unlike you, apparently, have uh, some consistency. I don't think anything's really happened to change my prediction uh, on them. And I I just think, you know, Anthony Davis, I think, is really good. Miritich is really good. I think Randall can can have a very good season. And as long as Peyton doesn't totally torpedo them, and if he does, then they'll presumably will just move Holiday to point guard. And, and they've got a little more depth on the wing this year. And it's been a while since uh, AD or Holiday has missed a ton of time. So I, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that those guys can each play 70 games. Um, and if they get there, I think they're a decent shot for the over. But, you know, again, I don't feel particularly strongly about this one either way. But I do think that with AD at center, I mean, this is just, and Miritich at the four, or then with Randall, they just cause a ton of matchup problems for teams in the front court and, and that they can be consistently beat, you know, some of the bad teams in the NBA for that reason. Yep, certainly a fair perspective, especially when they're at full strength. And I mean, they have the high-end talent. I mean, Davis will just propel them in games. And it is important to note that Davis played 75 games last year too. So this is not some sort of aberration. But every yeah. other year before that, he was in the in the 60s. So, you know, if he's at 68, then I think they're, they're, I mean, it depends obviously on the opponent, but I would say they're, you know, league average or worse when Anthony Davis is in play. So. Yeah, I think he's found a way to kind of play within himself a little bit more in in terms of you know not like going up for like those scary alley oops and plays where he's really going to put his body in a, in a vulnerable position the way he might have earlier in his career. Let's move to the Oklahoma City Thunder now. Forty-eight and a half. They actually started way up at fifty and a half and have now moved down. Uh, that's not a huge surprise to me. I think part of the big reason for that is the Russell Westbrook surgery. Unclear if he will be ready on opening night. I am very skeptical of this team's ability to win games when he does not play. He's had one of the biggest on-off differentials in the league the last couple of years, even as they've improved some of the talent around him. They do have Dennis Schroeder, but Dennis Schroeder has not been a positive player in terms of his plus minus at any point in his career. So uh, especially with, with Westbrook, either potentially limited, getting older. I already talked about him with Fred Katz before we knew about the surgery being a potential regression candidate. And so I, I predicted them for 48 wins before we knew about the Russell surgery. And uh, so I will comfortably be going for the under on this 48 and a half. I am as well. I am a believer in Oklahoma City's defense. I think they have, you know, they have great personnel there, really from top to bottom. I mean, they're probably going to be swapping in the starting lineup, Mello for Jeremy Grant. Oh, and Grant oh, and by the miles way, and miles. Uh, Robertson seems somewhat unlikely to be ready to start the season either. Yeah, that and and that's a concern too because Oklahoma City they have a lot of flyers on as backups on the perimeter, but they don't have anybody that I believe in. So you know, you're going through guys, but what they did last year, like Terrence Ferguson and Abrina 
Genius and maybe TLC. And those guys, you know, that it, obviously those guys are bigger problems in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. Abdel Nader is, is another possibility, but I believe he's dealing with something too right now. Uh, but, he he uh, had right wrist surgery, but then uh, on August 30th, threw a ceremonial pitch right-handed at a Royals game, indicating some idea that he might be healthy. Uh, that was the last report on him on a road world. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and so I think that uh, it's – so, like, their their perimeter depth is a big concern. The point guard, you know, it's good that they got Dennis Schroeder. I like Schroeder more as a Westbrook replacement than Raymond Felton, and so that actually kind of helps with that idea of maybe the, it still wasn't a good trade. Yeah, but, and they do have good. Felton still, but, too, so the backup to the backup sure. problem is not yeah. as salient as it might be for another team. But And and they have better depth behind Steven Adams now. I mean, Adams is a, is a massive robot, so he doesn't really miss much time. It's kind of like DeAndre Jordan, but sometimes the foul trouble and everything like that, New Orleans is, is an interesting piece. But just two through four i have big concerns about it and then if westbrook misses time that they don't get there and also like i like paul george i think that paul george but i don't know that there's really that you know prime offensive paul george i'm not sure if that's you know if he can shoulder that burden if yeah. westbrook misses also time. coming I don't, off I don't surgery, know if that guy's still there. by the way yes yeah and so you know i still i still like george i think he can be an important part of this team and again there's absolutely a way that they can win 50 games but there are too many kind of risk factors here for me to say that's more likely than not because uh, there are a few different things that could knock them down a peg and they they could still make the playoffs still be a threatening team if they're full strength and in april but not win 48 not win 49 because they have to win 49 to go yeah that's uh a great point it's weird though sometimes you're like oh 48 and a half like that's 48 now that's 49 to to go over uh all right so you are under there as well let's move to the phoenix suns at 29 as their overrunner the Suns made a lot of moves this offseason that, that lend themselves towards the idea that they are trying to compete in the immediate. I mean, you don't get Trevor Rees on a one-year deal with the idea of, well, we're just going to be shitty again. That's, you know, it's a different thing. Ryan Anderson, that one's a little bit more complicated because of the financial elements in play with Brandon Knight and, and everything else. But they still have this weird situation at the guard. Let's call it the guard next to Devin Booker because we don't know exactly how they're going to define terms here. Then Devin Booker is going to potentially miss the start of the season with his hand issue. He had surgery. And also they were genuinely awful last year. I mean, and they're oh, going man. to be starting, they're, they're going to be starting a rookie at center and uh, while I think you know I, I Aiton could end up being a good player and he he's been more enthusiastic defensively than I anticipated there's some major concerns on that end and while they're deeper they're going to be relying so much on Booker offensively and then defensively they're just a whole bunch of potential red flags even without Marquise Chris there anymore and so while I am a I, I I'm more comfortable in the idea that they could go over this year than almost any year in, in recent past especially with Kokoshkov which I think is a major major difference so I'm not confident in this under as I as as it would be, I mean that would be they would still be winning ten more games basically. They they'd win ten more games than they did last year to do the over. So I think I think it's it's possible, but I'm going to go under. Yeah, and they won twenty one last year, but they had the point differential of an eighteen win team. Now some of that, of course, is with Devin Booker not playing at the end of the year. We'll see whether he gets back. A hand injury is something that you probably can get back to full strength pretty quickly, but. 
They also had a negative 9.5 point differential, about the same as their season-long number with Booker on the floor last year. And there's thought, all right, they got Trevor Ariza. They can be better defensively last year. I mean, keep in mind, they were the 30th ranked offense and the 30th ranked defense last year. And so why is it that they're going to be so much better? All right, Kokoshkov. That's my my biggest hope for them is Kokoshkov. You know, I, I think now a lot of that is reputation. We haven't seen him as an NBA coach. Certainly everything that you hear about him, what he did with Slovenia coming out of that Utah system where they're very well coached as well. You know, all of that is there. This is an organization though that has been pretty dysfunctional. And so you can say, yeah, they, they hired Kokoshkov, but you know, what is he going to be able to really implement his system, DeAndre Ayton, I do not, he's another big change from last year. I don't expect him to be a positive, certainly on defense this season. And then Ryan Anderson is going to be their four-man. You know, if that's their starting front court, yeah, they got Trevor Ariza, but hard to see how they defend. Devin Booker has not been a positive defensive player either. So you've got three guys in your starting lineup who are terrible defensively. We'll see what ends up happening at point guard. Offensively, you know, they really, unless they're going to just start Booker at point guard and then play all wings around him you're gonna have Shaq Harrison out there probably who can't shoot at all or you know another basically replacement level guy like Harrison's defense but uh, offensively is a problem Josh Jackson can't shoot TJ Warren can't shoot so they may be able to put some lineups out there every once in a while that can get you there in terms of like modern day spacing or quality defense but in large part you're probably not going to be there you know Dragon Benders another guy is probably going to play and and just you know hasn't played at a positive level yet at all and so you know maybe they've got Rashawn Holmes now projected as the backup center whom they traded for good offensive player but pretty bad defensively not a big recognition guy defensively at this point in his career. So if it weren't for Kakashkov, I would be like banging the under. Uh, with Kakashkov, I still believe we'll go under. I can't just, while I like everything that I've heard about him, I can't just say that, yeah, this guy who's never been a head coach in the NBA before is going to push them just that much above where they were last year. I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, 29, so they have to get to 30 to go over. And so that's 12 wins better than their point differential last year and 12 wins better than their point differential with Booker on the floor last year. No, nah, I, I don't see it, especially because DeAndre Ayton is going to play so much and he you know i don't expect him to be a positive player so under if that wasn't clear enough it was and we can move on to the you're under as well right i am under as well yes okay so portland they won 20 sorry not 29 they won 49 games last year they were the third seed in the western conference and they you know got swept famously by the by the new orleans pelicans and you know they're starting lineup depending on health and and everything else like that is pretty much unchanged i was surprised to see vegas put the line at to put the line you know it's been in the 42 range the whole time and you know there there are certainly arguments to make that that last year was about as rosy as it gets for the portland trailblazers but what i'm falling back on i have major concerns you know i think they took some steps back with their bench and if damer cj misses extended periods of time that's going to be problem you know i I, i've been impressed with wade baldwin's wade baldwin's development but you know you're relying a lot on guys that haven't really proven it over large sample in the nba but i am a believer in terry stotts i'm a believer that he that he knows how to the defensive scheme that makes sense in the regular season with this team and while i have misgivings about their viability in the playoffs against really good teams that's not really what this is about so i feel pretty good about this over i'm in agreement with you 
Certainly a concern that Mo Harkless says he's still not back to 100% after that knee surgery, which he came back from in like two weeks for the playoffs last year. Uh, we've going back to when another Portland player did the same thing, Brandon Roy. We have cautioned against that. Pretty much everyone who does that ends up feeling some effects. And that apparently is the case with Harkless. And he is a very key player for them. Uh, we saw that when he was limited against New Orleans, they had big problems. Uh, when he's not shooting the ball well, they just don't really have another option there who fits in on the wing they're relying on some guys who are unproven or guys coming back from injury like Seth Curry though Curry says his body is responding well early in camp but you know that's something where the wear and tear can add up over time with that stress reactions that he's had Dame Lillard had about as good of a year as you could ever expect for him last year whether it's through health or just regression you might expect him to take a little bit of a step back but you know not a huge one and CJ I think actually can be a little better he quietly had a little bit more of a down year last year they had the point differential of a 47 win team so that's really probably the baseline we should be starting at here but they've got some young guys I mean there's really nobody on this team you're like oh they're gonna play way worse than they did a year ago they're a, a younger team than maybe people might realize they've constantly shuttled in some younger guys so uh, I do think they're a little over their heads last year especially defensively uh, and you know I don't see them being the NBA's seventh best defense like they do the voodoo with the math and force teams into difficult shots uh, or at least bad math shots in terms of long twos but their history just with this team that has been somewhat similar over these last few years has not been quite that good defensively so I see them taking a little bit of a step back there although I think they could be better than 15th on offense as well they had a really weird start to the season last year but you know basically as a 500 team you know I, I think they're better than that they've established a level better than that over these last few years and so I I predicted them for 44 wins on my pod with Eric Anderson and so once again I will be just a little bit over with them on that 42. Something else I want to note, Lillard played 73 games last year. That was the fewest of his career. So he's been yeah. pretty remarkably durable. And so you could expect him to get in there. And, you know, they didn't they didn't get saddled by a ton of other stuff. I mean, Nurk played 79. McCollum played 81. Aminu missed a little bit of time, and they actually really missed him during that. But, yeah, and, and the, you know, not having a Davis, things like that are going to be factors. But they have other options, and Portland has effectively replaced guys in the bench rotation before. And I think as, as important as that will be at certain moments in time, especially if there are injuries, it can sometimes be a little bit overwrought. Let's move now to Sacramento. They started at 25 and a half, and that is where they remain. They did win 27 a year ago, but worth noting again, much like the Suns, that they were incredibly lucky last year, even at that terrible level, had the point differential of a 22 win team. So that's really the baseline that we should be starting from. Looks like Zach Randolph, you know, James Hamm was thinking that Zach Randolph isn't going to play that much this year. Uh, the front court is pretty unproven. They've got Willie Cauley-Stein, Giles, who is a rookie, is going to be starting Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley is going to play a lot. He's going to be really bad in terms of helping. I mean, he's a rookie, and then you throw in the fact that people are really concerned about just whether he does the little things to help teams win anyway. You know, that's one of his big weaknesses, supposedly, and he's a rookie. So I expect he's going to be a really negative player. 
the hope here is that De'Aaron Fox can come through a little bit more than he had last year when he was really was pretty bad by RPM, pretty bad in terms of true shooting, that he can take big steps in that area. But this team still has absolutely nothing in terms of stretch for uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, probably their best player a year ago. He's out four to six weeks right at the start of camp uh, after a knee issue, four to six weeks. Again, that's a short timetable. And Dave Yeager said today that we're going to let him come back and then give him way more time than he needs. So look for it to be a little bit longer there. So they'll have Buddy healed. I don't know how they're going to stop anybody with that young of a front court. Uh, if Heald's going to be in the in the starting lineup, which he probably is going to be, they don't have anyone at the three who has NBA size. <laughs> Bogdanovich was probably their best defensive option at the three. He's out now, and he's not. He tries hard, but he's not you know an NBA caliber wing defender against the best guys. So don't see how they're good on offense or defense. I mean, they're looking to me like bottom five in both. And 25 and a half is a low number, but I predicted them for 24 on that pod, and therefore I will take the under because things have only gotten worse for them since then. We need to mention that the Kings incentives are different than most teams that are as bad as they are because they do not have their pick under any circumstances. That That is owed either most likely to the Celtics, but to the Sixers if it is number one overall after the lottery. So that generally the, the phrase I use is that makes them indifferent to winning. That doesn't mean, oh, we need to win every single game because no, you don't need to do that. But the Kings are really bad. Like they, they just have a lot of I mean, players taking, that taking aren't. the Kings under is just a yearly tradition on this show. I mean, I, I I forget where it's, it's I a heard yearly, this. It's and like they've been under I think every year that we've done this. That's possible. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And I think they've and been under they like just, you know they don't really the have... last ten years or something like that. Well, because they're the, they're this challenge of like how low can you set a line? You know, like because yeah. you because you like any team can win twenty five games. You know, you get into all that stuff, and they have their own. They they don't have their own pick, like all this kind of stuff. But then you sit there and you're like, well, how is a team that that plays the guys they're going to play? And something I want to mention with De'Aaron Fox's RPM is I and I could there there are people that I could discuss this with who who know the mechanics of the black box more than I do. But I always get a little bit worried worried about that when a guy happens to be in the weird circumstance when uh, the team's starters and backups are either almost the same quality or you could even make an argument last year with the Kings that their backups were better than their starters because it just leads to all this stuff looking really weird. And so with Fox, but the problem is that same general dynamic is pretty close to in place this year because their starters aren't much better. Depending on who they play on at power forward, they might even be worse. And they and then their backups are similar and, and they didn't really add anything of note this year that will really help them win right away. They actually lost Garrett Temple who I think was a, a useful piece for them. And now the other thing to consider is that this year, some of those lucrative contracts that they've signed over the last few years, those guys are now expiring. So maybe guys like Kufos get bought out or even just get marginalized because yeah. it's like, yeah. okay, we don't really, it's not much we can do anymore. And, and they're them. talking and, about like trying to get involved. They still have cap space, but they're talking about maybe even taking on bad money that goes through 2020 with some of this. So, you know, I don't see them. Yeah, but they're going to ask for the, sort of they're going to ask for the goddamn moon if they're going to do that. So the, yeah. and, and that, probably will be a player that is is truly awful too like most of those contracts that are gonna get moved it's not That's gonna right. be so it could be you know joe noah or somebody else so yeah it's a i i feel pretty good about this under and you always want young teams to do better i think this could actually be an encouraging season for some guys in this team and they still go under but that's that's the challenge of you know they're one of the worst teams and unlike the suns who added some serious talent the kings it's they're relying almost entirely on internal improvement who's next there 
The San Antonio Spurs. So the San Antonio Spurs last year, they won 47 games. They had the point differential of a 48-win team. They lost not only Kawhi Leonard, which is important to note that they also lost Danny Green. They also lost Kyle Anderson, who was an important part of replacing Kawhi Leonard last year. They lost Manu Ginobili after his retirement. And so Vegas priced in a portion of that by setting the over-under there at at 45. And on talent, I mean, adding DeRoe, and obviously, you know, DeRozan uh, was, you know, uh, in consideration for All-NBA last year, while you and I have expressed our frustrations with him many, many times. He is a, a useful regular season player, to be sure, and can and I think Pop will do a good job of exercising him. On talent, and like I think Kevin Pelton's projections have this in there, that I think the Spurs are, are worse than this number in terms of pure talent, but I'm okay being wrong if it ends up happening, betting on their over, because this team has exceeded their, has outperformed their talent level on defense so consistently that I just believe they're going to keep doing it until they don't do it anymore. It's going to be even harder for them to do that than in past years. Rudy Gay, I guess, is the starting small forward now. Uh, he's really a power forward at, at this point in his career and never a defensive stopper on the wing. Neither is DeMar DeRozan. They really don't have anyone uh, who can defend NBA wings passably at, at this point. You know, maybe Dante Cunningham might be their best perimeter defender on this team. Other than, you know, Murray, I think is a little bit too slight to guard guys like that. You know, he's obviously a great defensive player at the one. I think Pop is going to get a ton out of Jakob Pertl defensively. Uh, I would think that he might even be starting by the end of the year. And just with that, when you have that kind of size on the floor against a lot of teams, that still matters in today's NBA. You have Pertl and Aldridge together. And maybe they'll move DeRozan up to the three. They might play DeJounte Murray and Patty Mills at the one and the two. I don't really expect Lonnie Walker to figure a ton for them this year. They got Marco Bellinelli as well. He's really, he and Mills are the only guys who can shoot on this thing. I guess Bryn Forbes as well. We'll see how much he plays. Uh, but all those guys have their defensive limitations, particularly Forbes and Bellinelli. So they got a lot of one-way players on this team. And, you know, you're really, again, making a bet on Greg Popovich. The party line here is, well, hey, you know what? They won 47 a year ago and they made the playoffs and they basically added DeMar DeRozan to that team. Well, number one, you know, they lost Anderson. They lost Green. And LaMarcus Aldridge had an unbelievable year last year. I, I don't believe that he can play that well. Again, you know, that was his best year in two years. And especially with DeRozan out there now crimping the spacing even more, he's not going to well, be... And it was the best guy. defensive year of his career. Yeah, no, that's probably right. So, and then, you know, you also wonder, I know you brought this up with Javari Young, or he brought it up of just, you know, morbid as it is to discuss, you know, is Greg Popovich going to be just the same force of personality, you know, given the personal trauma that he's been through? You know, I mean, is he going to be uh, there every day, the type of taskmaster and the type of attention to detail that he's had? You hope so, but, you know, I think it's somewhat fair to question whether, you know, he's going to be able to perform it quite the same level uh you know I, I if i were in his place i wouldn't be able to i'll tell you that uh so i definitely there are a lot of reasons to not believe in this team to me and also you know another thing is that we've always felt DeRozan was, was quite overrated you know he's an all-star yeah but and then when you can compare some of the spacing that he's had to work with in toronto to what he's going to have to deal with now you know he's not going to be able to get all the way to the basket he's going to have to take a lot of mid-rangers and unlike aldridge you know DeRozan takes a lot of mid-rangers but he really only seems to hit about 40 percent of those most years you know he's very reliant on getting to the foul line how much is he going to be able to do that on the this team 
I'm not really sure. So, I mean, it's going to be a lot of long twos for this team. Again, you mentioned they're like, what, 18th in offense a year ago. You know, I don't expect them to be that much better than that this year. And so then you're going to say, hey, the defense, what were they last year in defense? They're top five, right? Yeah, they were fourth. I mean, can they really do that again? Especially especially because you have... I mean, you know, they're, st- they're starting is, DeJounte for the whole year, hopefully. Yeah, but DeRozan, I mean, I think he's a massive step back. You know, is is Pop going to be able to get him to defend at the level that he got some of these other guys? I mean, they at least had guys last year on the wing who were part of this Spurs system, and they're adding Bellinelli, who's awful defensively. And I don't think there's any way they get to be fourth in defense again. I mean, it's just, you know, that institutional knowledge continues to fade away. Way. I think ultimately I'm going to go under uh because especially because it's moved up now to oh man 45 that is that's so tough yeah I think I'm gonna do it well here I'll, go I'll give you I'll give you a clarifying question that I've been grappling okay. with for the last month with the Spurs which is especially after Monty went out this is what really made me think of it oh yeah they're gonna miss They've him too by the a- way they're going to miss him a lot uh, offensively in particular because he just generates so much offense for them. But San Antonio has feasted basically throughout this run on just consistently beating the worst teams in the league. You know, they just they don't lose games to the bottom 10 teams in the league. And this is the first year where I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that being a certainty. You know, it's it's a possibility. They did it last year without Kawhi. You know, DeRozan can run well through those teams because generally they don't have great perimeter defenders, the guys that give him so much trouble. And so, you know, the not necessarily like the Sacramentos of the world, but more like that kind of next tier up. Are they going to beat those teams every single time? Because if they do, that gives them a buffer that I think this is a, a pretty reasonable number. But if not, then there's a lot more downside potential. It's, it's a softer, it's a a softer win total for them for me because they to me they just don't have the horses to beat the best of the best very frequently well and i also don't expect the bottom of the league to be as crappy this year as it was last year when you had just that epic tank off uh you know i don't i think the the new rules will help that a little bit i mean one thing i should have mentioned when i talked about it before i left is that it still helps to be lower because you have like a higher floor that way in the draft you know i mean even if you're if you have the worst record at least the lowest you can get is fifth you know as opposed to if you're have the third worst record you know you could get as low as seventh if four teams jump you um so there's a little bit more incentive to still be bad than i specifically discussed uh, when we were talking about it before uh, i left so yeah i think i'm gonna go under i mean i just like everything about this team to me uh, i'm not liking that much and you know i think derozan is overrated i hate their spacing i don't think aldridge could be as good as he was last year they've lost a lot of these stalwarts and i just you know the personnel to me is not quite good enough defensively i mean maybe if Pirtle really comes into his own and just you know can become a really good defense center which i think is possible you know maybe they get up to being a top five defense again and then you know they are right in that range but if they're not a top five defense i think it's hard for them to go to get to 46 and that's what they have to do of course to go over here so uh i think i'm going to go under uh, again but you know i'm not uh, like with dallas i don't feel great about it at all especially considering the coaches involved. Last team on the so, Western so you, Conference. So you went over, right? I went over. Okay. Wow, we got some and solid I, disagreements here. But I have a feeling yeah. we're not going to disagree on this last one. I have a feeling of that as well. So the Utah Jazz, they won 48 last year, but they had the point differential of a 52-win team. Vegas set their line at 49 and a half. And even though we haven't done the yeah, Eastern they Conference, started I'll at just say that. And a half, by the way. And I'll, and also, say, I'll say this yeah. outright right now. This is my number one best bet on the board. Like the wow. Jazz, I I am a I am fully on board with them as a regular season team. I mean, their their defense is 
legit. You know, maybe they're not, you know, number one in the league, but I firmly believe that they're top five as long as Gobert stays remotely healthy. And he missed some time last year. He didn't miss a ton, but he missed some time. And offensively, I mean, I think they're a lot closer to figuring it out now than they were at the beginning of last season. And Donovan Mitchell is a whole lot better. And they've, they, you know, they've gotten some of these dynamics right. They, you know, they, I think their talent level is, is good. They'll hopefully get more from Dante Exum than they did last year. You know, they're just getting a little bit more bench depth. Tabo missed so much at the end of last year and they were still able you know they, they have all they have depth i i think quinn snyder is an excellent excellent coach so yeah i i think they're i think they're gonna blow by this number and it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they're in the high 50s high 50s wow it wouldn't that surprise me 50s, i'm not predicting yeah. that i'm not I'm not predicting that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, 52-win point differential a year ago. A lot of that, you know, Gobert missed time, although I don't think overall they were unhealthier than an average team would be. Uh, And it certainly is a vulnerability. Like, Gobert has missed time a lot of these years. So you can see them taking a major step back if he's unavailable. But they're a pretty good candidate, maybe along with Boston, to be the number one defense in the NBA. Uh, And pretty much everyone on this team, except for maybe Joe Ingles, who played a big role, you would expect to be as good good or better than they were a year ago a lot of young guys you know Gobert's right in his prime Mitchell has a lot of ways to, to take a step forward uh the coaching is excellent and so I mean the, the only reason to worry is they just they don't seem like you know a mid-50s win team I picked them for 52 on the pod with David Locke um and but really I mean if you think about it Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson killed them last year so those guys are off the team Consider the way they played when Gobert was healthy and those guys weren't playing. Considering all of that, got to feel pretty good about where this team is at. And so I picked them for 52. If I had to pick anything, I would say that they would go over that with just Gobert's health being like the one way that this could all get torpedoed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the over as well. It started at 48 and a half. It's gone up to 49 and a half. And I still uh, you know, like the over by quite a bit, if perhaps not as enthusiastically as you. Got to create an advantage somehow, but yeah, I it, I I just feel that this team is and and again, I think it's a, about them as a regular season. I mean, defense travels. I think they're going to beat. I just brought this up with the Spurs. I think they're going to consistently just crush bad teams, and so they'll they'll get that, and then they'll be competitive. They have the second strongest home court advantage in the league in isolation because of the altitude, and they they have a lot of depth. So I think they'll be better handling back to backs than a lot of other teams. And yeah, I, th- I think they're going to get closer to figuring it out. It's not. It's not a certainty because nothing is. And one of the big problems, problems in, in air quotes, with waiting as much as we did is that there aren't those easy, like just no brainer picks like there sometimes are where you and I are just like really far away from where Vegas is. Those have clarified a little bit. But I mean, I just th- I just think Utah is a really, really good team. So let's uh, just summarize our differences here with Dallas. And I guess we can just go we go through all of our picks again. Dallas, 34 yeah. and a half. I was a very reluctant under. You had the over. Denver, 47 and a half. I was under. Again, you were over. So that's a, a difference for us. Denver and Dallas. Golden State, we're both under 62 and a half. Houston, both over 56. Clippers, we disagree. I'm over 38. You are under 38. Lakers, we both went under, though I was a very reluctant under. You seem to be more on it. Memphis, I was very reluctant over, uh, as were you at 33 and a half. Minnesota, we're both under 40 and a half with the disaster potential there. New Orleans, another difference. I am over, you are under 45 and a half. That's the one I'm queasiest on. That's the one, that's the one that makes me uncomfortable right now. I'm telling you that. I I feel like I might change that. You should. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to an over right now. I'm changing it. I'm going back. I'm, 
There we go. It uh, is now no longer a disagreement. Spreadsheet because if I like went back and listened to it, I probably would only listen to the New Orleans section, and then I would have logged you as under and never listened to this end part. Uh, I also and and also I think you brought up the point. I did their offseason preview. I predicted forty eight. Like that's stu- like that's three wins below that. It's uh, I that was uh, I'm I was getting too much in my own head. But but you articulated such a good reason for why you changed it. Oh wait, you didn't at all. <laughs> I, well, no, I said I said they had ta- I said they had fifty win talent. It was just that I was concerned about their health. Yeah, all right, I, I guess that is health, still yeah, true. But, but there's no reason to think their health would be any worse now than when we recorded in August. But uh, yeah, exactly. Right, well, that, that's, that's yeah. Yeah, I, I guess uh, Ethan always says once you've won the argument with someone, don't keep punishing them. <laughs> so now and now, watch this. Of course, we'll both be wrong and they'll go under. Uh, so yeah, entirely uh, possible. Uh, so. Well, last last year, last year the one I changed. So last year I changed. I think one in the podcast, which was the magic, and that ended up being right. So let's hope that happens again. All right. Well, I'm putting a notation here that you change this from the under so we, we i can make fun of you for this again when we do our wrap-up pod in april uh okc we agree on the under 48 and a half phoenix under 29 portland over 42 sacramento under 25 and a half and then another disagreement i had san antonio under 45 you had san antonio over 45 it's that actually started at 43 and a half if that were the case i probably would have gone over uh but it has moved up to 45 and then utah we both have over 49 and a half so the difference is san antonio not new orleans Clippers, Denver, and Dallas. So we differ on four of the 15 here. So that'll be good. That'll provide uh, some good fodder for our competition. Uh, Anything to talk about before we go here? No, I mean, we're excited to, to go back to five times a week. If you want to listen to it, the uh, the over-unders I did with Arturo Galetti are out for Real GM Radio. And I'll ha- actually, I, I it's not ready to be announced yet, but some people I'm sure have been thinking, it's like, did he's a workaholic? He hasn't had a lot of writing coming out. I wonder what's going on. The answer is it's coming. That's all That's all I'm going to say. Until it's an, until it's fo- until it's public, I'm not going to break it on the podcast because I don't know when it's coming out. Le Deluge de la Rue will be coming in terms of writing. Uh, all right. This is uh, a good way to get back into it with uh, about an hour and 40 minutes or so here. Uh, and we'll be back very soon with the East Overunders. Might go a little, little different topic tomorrow, but we'll have that for sure. Uh, the East Overunders later this week at some point, but, uh, back to five days a week. Got a lot of interesting stuff coming up. Gonna have a guest that many of you have been clamoring to have back on the show since, uh, he was acclaimed when we had him on in the spring, but we just had too tight of a schedule to have him on, but, uh, really looking forward to that as well and i will talk to y'all tomorrow till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.